The album is just perfectly executed. You have to admire the songwriting, admire the lyricism. It's hard for me to say any other album. We're here now, we're doing this. I'm your host, Jack Bender. Welcome to Bar for Bar. Yo, what is going on, you guys? It is Jack Bender, host of Bar for Bar. Welcome back to episode five. Before we get into this week's episode, guys, I just want to say a quick but sincere thank you to everyone who wished me a happy birthday. So in case you guys didn't know, I turned 20 on July 20th. And I just want to say I really love and appreciate all of you guys uh, for all the uh, uh, birthday wishes, all the kind words, all that stuff. Because, you know... It, I'm hoping for many more, man. I really am. This is what I want to do with my life, as I've told you guys a million times in the past. Uh, doing this show is something I really enjoy, and I'm really happy to be back and doing it. You guys might have noticed uh, recently on the YouTube channel, I've been doing some live streams uh, re reacting to the new music that dropped the last two weeks, including the Juice World album, uh, the new Joey Badass EP, etc. And so uh, I just I'm really happy to be doing this again, man, because it's, it's been a tough couple months. You know, I've been really busy looking for my looking for a separate job of my own, uh, dealing with some other stuff. But dude, I'm so happy to be back. Let me tell you. And uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what else to say, man. Once again, thank you for all the birthday wishes. Thank you for all the love and support. And I'm so happy to be back. So once again, we're back with episode five. And by the time you guys are all seeing this, it'll be either July 21st or 22nd, I believe, or at least relatively close to then. Which means that as of July 1st, we reached the halfway point of 2020. That's right, dude. It, this year flew by. Let me tell you, and it's been a historically eventful year. It's been filled with ups and downs that they seem to come, go, come again, leave, come back, and or when something finally goes, another thing comes up. So it's been an eventful year, you know, very up and down with with a pandemic and some other issues going on. Uh, but I, I really personally feel like twenty twenty at the very least has been a pretty damn good year for music. Let's start there. Uh, obviously a lot, a lot of projects that were originally anticipated to drop earlier, you know, have yet to drop, uh, because we're in that current predicament, uh, that, you know, our, our excuse me, our pandemic and which makes for, for artists that's making live shows and, you know, in-person collaborative efforts, you know, it's largely impossible or very on or very, uh, difficult to, uh, complete just because of the current pandemic. And so with that being said, I'm somewhat impressed that we've kind of gotten a good amount of music, a good amount of very memorable, solid projects that have dropped thus far. And so with that being said, guys, I thought it'd be a fitting episode to make to just take a look at some of my favorite projects that I've released so far this year at the halfway point of 2020. You know, we're uh, so with all that being said, I'm not I'm going to give my thoughts on my favorite album so far this year. And keep in mind, guys, this is in no particular order. I don't have these ordered first uh, one to five, uh, five to one, whatever. Uh, but these are definitely some of my, my absolute favorites from this year thus far. So the first one I want to go over is Run the Jewels 4 by Run the Jewels. Dude, I don't even know what to say about this record. I, I Well, first off, let's start here. Back in, it was like, oh man, I don't remember the year, but Killer Mike and IP... 
when they first linked together, everyone, it was a lot of criticism and like, you know, where's the chemistry going to be? Uh, are these guys going to complement each other or contradict each other when on the same track when they announced that they were forming the duo Run the Jewels? And dude, some of these albums, these four albums that they've made as a, a hip-hop duo have been some of those thought-provoking, forward-thinking hip-hop albums of the 2010s, which is crazy to say just because it was so unexpected. And, you know, these are some of my favorite albums. This is one of my favorite duos of all time. Uh, these guys are both brilliant, uh, brilliant uh, lyricists, brilliant songwriters, all that stuff. And, um, look, before, as far as the actual album goes, let me just preface this by quoting Kendrick uh, off to Pimp a Butterfly in his song Hood Politics. What do you say? Oh, yeah. Critics want to mention that they miss when hip-hop was rapping. Motherfucker, if you did, then Killer Mike would be platinum. Dude, no truer works were spoken. And for and again, Run the Jewels, uh, groundbreaking hip-hop duo, has rapper and producer. Yes, he so he actually had quite the role in producing this album as well, IP. And of course, legendary hip-hop MC Killer Mike. And um, dude, this this record was easily one of my favorites this year. You know, Run the Jewels 4, we, we see IP and Killer Mike. They combine forward-thinking lyrics with slick pen game. Uh, I, the production aids their performance by not only sounding constantly like unpredictable, especially with so many beat switches, uh, so many different like st uh, stylistic choices uh, for production. Uh, it, but again, it's complementary to the provocative nature of many of the lyrics. You know, you um, on songs like "A Few Words for the Firing Squad," you know, the beat sounds like it's building up at a consistent pace for nearly five minutes. Like imagine the Jaws theme song, just do 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 like, but in hip hop form, and you know, it feels like it's getting increasingly almost menacing. You know, it, it you know it almost makes you dread kind of something forthcoming, which I think is as far as the message and the and the overall kind of um, uh, thematic, uh, you know, the thematic message of the album goes, is very fitting. And uh, but instead, we get, at the end of that song, we get a clarinet being played in the foreground of the beat. Uh, it's juxtaposing a, a pretty solid drum line in the back. Uh, tracks like this seem to aim at making the listener almost uncomfortable in a way, like I said, which at least for me added a lot of stress uh, to the seriousness of some of the lyrics. And by stress, I mean it's placing a lot of precedence. It's placing a lot of importance on many of these lyrics and many of the uh, the topics that they're choosing to to uh, to write about. Uh, and, and so you know, he have lines in there like "trying to make it out the mud as a baby father is much harder." The same children that you love and adore. The court will use to break and rob you. That's that's a killer Mike line in there, and uh, like I said earlier, um, you know when when this duo first formed, uh, Killer Mike and IP were not expected to complement each other so well. But dude, especially on this album, they complement each other beautifully on every single track. They sound so smooth when transitioning from one to the next, and that is exhibited super well on uh, probably my favorite track off the album personally. But that's a personal preference type thing. Uh, out of sight, featuring a silky smooth and surprisingly damn good feature from Two Chains that closes the track out. Uh, and this album, while it was actually recorded back in the fall of 2019, again focuses on some serious topics, uh, themes, and ideas that are just so almost scary, like relevant now. You know, uh, the line in uh, um, "Walking in the Snow," Killer. First off, Killer Mike's verse in "Walking in the Snow." One of the best verses of this year, hands down. And, you know, the, the I can't breathe line that he put, that he throws in there was not even referring to George Floyd. Like I said, this album was recorded back in the fall of 2019. 
uh, before you know these protests broke out and in this in this uh on the civil unrest in our nation kind of broke out. And um, dude, this is this is just such an important album at such like a critical time, a critical point in our country. And I think that's what made it resonate with so many people, including myself. And dude, if you haven't listened to this album, I would highly, highly, highly recommend it. This is easily one of my favorites from this entire year. The next album I want to talk about, guys, is Unlocked. Denzel Curry and Kenny Beats. That probably sounds familiar because that is an album I actually reviewed on the very first episode of Bar for Bar way back when, dude. Holy shit, it's been a while. But as I may mention in my review of the album, up on all platforms, once again, if you guys haven't listened, go check it out. Uh, Kenny Beats is seriously making himself a case for being one of the most essential producers in all of hip-hop today. Kenny is an extensive resume, and he has done more than impressed with his work with other artists, you know, like Rico Nasty, uh, Key, O3 Greedo, so on, so forth. Uh, but unlock Kenny Miley, and I mean Miley stepped outside his comfort zone and put, so, put forth some of his funkiest, most unique beats yet. His production... And surprisingly fitting with Denzel Curry too. Denzel's performance on this album was also stellar. Uh, he played with different styles of delivery all throughout the record, going from a you know a very casual on you know riding the hell out of the beat flow uh, to you know going into his DMX type voice on the beat on the hook. And dude, by the way, fantastic. If I don't see I don't, if I don't see DMX feature on a Denzel Curry track in the next two years, dude, I'm I'm riding. I swear to God, because holy shit, that would be a fire track. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, he's, you know, he's playing with different styles of delivery all throughout the record, like I said, uh, but he's delivering it with the confidence of an artist who appears to, uh, appears like he's done these forever. Like he's done these a million times, even though these are all, you know, kind of first attempts at it, if you will. Uh, his songwriting was also pretty, pretty entertaining, pretty clever at times and very engaging all throughout. Uh, this LP, it was a very easy listen too. you know, it was just eight tracks, just under 18 minutes. Uh, but again, very easy, very smooth listen, but entertaining all throughout. If you guys are looking for something that you haven't checked out this year, you know, Denzel Curry's been one of my personal favorites for a while, ever since the release of Imperial, Taboo, Zoo, all those albums. Uh, the dude's on a winning streak, as is Kenny Beats. But you know, both, and I, I expect a lot more to come from these duos. From this duo, I've, I've been seeing a lot of uh, uh, posts on Denzel's and Kenny's stories on Instagram and such. You know, showing that they have more work to come, and they've also teased an upcoming uh, sequel, if you will, to this album. So look forward for that. Uh, the third album I want to talk about today, guys, is Royce the Five Nine, the Allegory, dude. So if you guys are not familiar with Royce the Five Nine, one half of Bad Meets Evil, the other half being the legendary Eminem, dude. Royce might never get the credit he deserves as an MC. This man has busted his ass and had and has been, in my opinion, equally as no, I would I would definitely say he's been more consistent in terms of discography than Eminem. And this is coming from a, a big Eminem fan. So, uh, but you know, this is actually Royce's first ever self-produced album. He produced every single track on this album, uh, and, and which is and by the way, which he did a stellar job at. Royce, and and, and you can say the same about M because both of them have uh, picked up lots of uh, production tricks and such uh throughout their career and royce has taken a step further to the point where he can executive produce his own album which if that isn't impressive enough he does a stellar job at knowing what's going to fit him best know knowing what was going to uh complement his flows best his delivery such and such and 
As far as the theme goes for this album, Royce takes a very you know thoughtful look into not only the most prominent issues in our country today, but also an introspective dive into his own personal life. Uh, you know, particularly detailing his troubled family life uh, from the past, and being very he's he's been again very introspective, very reflective, and uh, this LP really does take kind of a dramatic tone, not in a negative way though. Uh, it takes a dramatic tone to the narrative to not necessarily tell a story. But I guess the best way to put it is to rather, you know, dissect Royce's mind in a pensive, sort of reflective manner, like I said. Uh, he seems to be picking apart, almost like in a therapeutic-type manner, uh, what's running through his head, what's running through uh, his conscious. And, and the way he does it is artistically, you know, creative, it's beautiful, it's sweet, it's, it's kind of uncomfortable at times, uh, but all towards the same, you know, end goal of making you know, a cohesive, uh, more than listenable project. And it, and I think co the co uh, cohesiveness of this album is one of the biggest, you know, selling points of it. And, uh, you know, Royce has always been good at concept albums, but I think this could be in the conversation for his strongest. Uh, Royce is impressive. And, and as far as the production goes, once again, you know, he is impressed. He has impressively polished production, uh, very mindful songwriting, very mindful lyricism, and it makes for another memorable, you know, hard to forget piece of work. And and this and just like many many other of Royce's projects, this thing will carry out in the future. I feel like a, dec a decade from now, some of the uh, issues discussed in this, and you know, some of his own uh, struggles, you know, could uh, remain relevant and resonate with some people even a decade from now. So uh, to see that carry equal relevance a decade from now, which I really do predict it will, is going to be cool because it's really going to speak to Royce's legacy and you know how masterful he is as an MC and a producer. Uh, the next album, actually the last album I want to talk about, is also in, uh, in conversation thus far for album of the year. Dude, and, this, and, and let me tell you, these two guys, they don't miss. I genuinely cannot remember the last time these guys missed. It has Freddie Gibbs and the Alchemist, Alfredo. And oh my God, is this project good. Holy crap. Dude, with Alfredo, Freddie Gibbs has really continued just this remarkable pattern of consistently fantastic albums. And Alchemist, you know, he continues to make his case alongside the Mad Libs, the Kenny Beats, uh, the Timbalands for, you know, the best producer in all of hip-hop. I think Alchemist is really top two, top three in that conversation minimum. He, I, I'm really leaning towards number one. But I really have to give that more thought, personally. You know, Freddie, and, and let me just say this about Freddie, dude. For as underrated as he is, in, in many people's eyes, as underappreciated as his works might be, such as, you know, uh, Bandana and uh, pr uh, Projects prior to then, dude, uh, and uh, Pinata, Pinata is another good example. Freddie may be the best rapper on the planet right now. That's not gas, man. Let me tell you, dude. He has several classics under his belt. Like I said, Pinata, Bandana, Alfredo, his self-titled. Uh, Alfredo offers such a refreshing gangster rap sound that is only made possible by Freddie's rough delivery, rough pitch. Uh, you know, and and combined with Alchemist, grimy but rhythmic and groovy production, dude. And these, these two have great chemistry. I mean, I, I, I'm really, I've, I've thought a lot about, you know, who has better chemistry, Freddie Gibbs and uh, uh, an Alchemist or Freddie Gibbs and Mad Lib, and it's really close, dude. Uh, both of them, have, both of those producers work incredibly well with Freddie, and, but also they have very different styles. 
So that just kind of speaks to the versatility of Freddie Gibbs, no matter you know what the production is like, uh, and, and for any LP he puts out. And uh, you know, like, like I said, Alfredo, or excuse me, Alfredo is the best way to describe it. Is a, it's a glorious celebration of the mafias. Uh, you know, back in the '80s and '90s, undeniable influence on hip hop, man, both in its roots and also in its sound today. In many regards, you know, the mafia. And this is something you guys can do your own research on. I'm not going to, you know, go into a whole historian lesson right now, but the Mafia really did have, like, a tremendous influence on hip-hop uh, in terms of, especially on the, in the gangster rap era when you got, uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s, when you have, and and that and without that influence, I don't think we'd have a lot of great records today. We wouldn't have, like, you know, 36 Chambers. We wouldn't, uh, we wouldn't have uh, uh, Illmatic, such as such. Uh, but, you know, while this is, while the album's very harsh, abrupt, it does a strangely beautiful job at exploring the fascinations of the Italian mafia and the lifestyle surrounding it. And again, irrefutable, irrefutable footprint on hip hop and hip hop culture that can never be, you know, unstamped there. And so, you know, this is, again, this isn't the conversation for album of the year. I would say more so than even if uh, other few albums that I listed, dude, Freddie Gibbs and Alchemist, they just don't miss. They, they're, they've wowed constantly with their stellar chemistry that, you know, it continues every single time to translate into a fantastic piece of music. I really don't see that changing. Uh, and then, like I said, my Alchemist already considered a legend. One of the greatest producers, if not the greatest producer alive today. He's up there with the Dr. Dre's, you know, the Mad Libs, the Timberlands, whatever you want to, whoever's name you want to throw out there. But, um, dude... Yeah, this is a fantastic album, and and as 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 are the rest of the albums I mentioned. But uh, like I said, like I said, guys, if you want to check out any of these albums, I would highly recommend all of them because they are all fantastic pieces of work, and I I, I think some of them are very groundbreaking in a sense, and you know more than worth a listen. Now for the final uh, segment of today's show, guys, I wanted to do some Q and A with some viewers, so I put it on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. I asked, ask me some questions. And I haven't done this since the first episode, actually. So this is also a throwback. Um, so the first question I got was from Caden Cummings. And he asked, Bandana or Alfredo? And dude, this is the fucking hardest question, man. How am I supposed to... Oh, my God. When I got this question, I had to think about it quite a bit. Um, because, you know, again, you, like I said, Mad Lib, Alchemist, two totally different styles of production. Uh, similar in some regards, but also very different. And... If I had to choose, if I had to choose Bandana, like I said, both were fantastic, but I can't help that I, uh, but feel that Freddie's chemistry with Mad Lib is just an iota stronger. That's a, that's how close it is for me, man. I don't know what to say. It's it's just a bit stronger than Alchemist, and and it shows very visibly from that point from my point of view. You know, Alchemist has been a bit more consistent than Mad Lib in terms of total. Uh, career uh career projects done with other artists and career work i think alchemist has had a much more consistently good career than mad lib i shouldn't say much more but a, a more consistently successful and good career than mad lib uh but mad lib seems to play the mad lib's production seems to play to freddie's strengths a little better in my opinion it's a, it you know like uh half man cocaine songs like that off bandana dude like those are that like listen to that track alone and just tell me that that very grimy style of production, in an um, you know, in, in t t uh, from tempo to sampling and to mixing and all that, dude, it's it just seems to match 
Freddy style a little better, in my opinion. Again, this is a really tough question, man. This is a really tough question, and I had a hard. I had to think about this for a good like hour before I answered it. Uh, but anyway, question number two, guys. Uh, this comes from Scott Johnson. Shout out Scott. That's my boy, actually. And so is Caden, actually. I, I didn't realize. I didn't realize whose name I said. <laughs> uh, question number two is, who you who do you believe is the most influential hip-hop rapper when it comes to people like Lil Baby, The Baby, Ali Choppa, Lil Uzi Vert, etc.? This, this is the easiest question ever, dude. That answer is so easy. That's Young Thug. Young Thug is the most influential rapper of the 2010s. And hear me out on what? Hear me, hear me out on this. The evidence in support of that is right in front of our eyes with all the, you know, not to use a negative connotation, but thugger, quote-unquote, clones there are in hip-hop today. Uh, you know, in other words, the artist whose style and music would not exist without Young Thug's influence, that list is so damn long. <laughs> Dude, I mean, think about it. Where's, you know, without Thugger and his influence and his, you know, his uh, vocal... Uh, vocally based style delivery uh, when he's rapping. Where's the little babies? You know, there's no Roddy Riches, no little babies. There's no Gunnas, A Boogies, Polo G's, etc. You know, the list goes on, man. You know, he was a Thugger was a critical influence on so many artists that you know have a, a again very vocally melodically driven style and delivery. Uh, so that's an easy question. I mean, I guess the runner up would be Future, but Future also took influence from Thugger because Thugger's been around longer, but. Uh, uh, yeah, th that that's a really easy question. <laughs> uh, that's a, that is something I thought about extensively too, so I didn't even need to think about that very much. Um, the last one, question three, comes from at It's Domingo Kite on Twitter. That's my dude, actually. And if you guys haven't checked out D uh, Domingo's music, dude, it's it, he it's a very different approach, and I think I would actually recommend it. He's got a he's got something dropping soon. I can't say much, but uh, uh, his question was, what are the best remaining hip hop publications? I don't want to, here's the thing, I don't want to shit on other publications. You know, I'm just starting up uh, with my podcast and such, and to sit here and just tell me, like, that one, that one, that one, that one, no, those aren't it. You know, they don't, you know, like, I can't do that. I can't absolutely shit on them. But I suppose I do have to answer the question. That's not, and the answer's not very many. <laughs> um, some that I will give credit to is, um, uh, let me think, Double XL. Double XL is more of a brand, and um, you know, obviously it's a magazine. Oh, well, it's a magazine too. So Double XL would definitely be one. Um, we're talking about um, content creation and uh, just a brand in general. Uh, um, let me think, dude. No Jumper. No Jumper is something that I, I would absolutely have to shout out if you consider that a quote unquote publication. Um, what Adam Twenty Two and his team have like built over the years, man, is incredible, and. You know, I, I actually take a lot of uh, influence off Adam. You know, he is absolutely one of the best in the business when it comes to conducting interesting, you know, professional, engaging interviews. Um, other than that, I, I don't, you know, with all due respect, I don't care for publications like Hip Hop DX, uh, Clash, Wrap Up, all those publications, just because uh, those focus a lot on the drama-filled side of hip hop. You know, like, oh, I, you know, Oh, this person broke up with this person, or this person cheated on this person. Like, I don't, I should say I don't care, but I don't care as much as I do about the music itself, man. You know, you know, like if I'm reading an article from a true hip hop publication, I don't want to feel like I'm reading the National Enquirer. You know what I mean? 
I, I want to read about the culture, of, of course, but I don't care as much as about, you know, YG cheating on Kalani as I do, you know, analysis of so-and-so's recent LP or something along those lines, man. Like, that's just me personally. I mean, some people, you know, indulge in that a lot more than I do. Uh, but personally, it's not really, it doesn't float my boat as much. Obviously, I'll, I, I pay attention to it. I pay very close attention to everything in hip-hop. But, you know, that, that that's that's on the list of the least of my concerns. That's definitely down there. So, I think that is going to be it for you today, guys. Dude, thank you so much for watching. And once again, I'm really happy to be back uh, doing the podcast. Thank you guys all for your love, support, appreciation. Uh, and once again, thank you for the birthday wishes. And yeah, that is it, guys. Jack Bender, host of Bar for Bar, out. Peace out, guys. Have a great day.